0: The Feast of the Nativity of our Lord, December 25th, 2020. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, grant that the birth of your only begotten Son in the flesh may set us free from the bondage of sin. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for the Feast of the Nativity of our Lord is from the book of the Exodus, the 40th chapter. And it came to pass in the first month of the second year, on the first day of the month, that the tabernacle was raised up. So Moses raised up the tabernacle, fastened its sockets, set up its boards, put in its bars, and raised up its pillars. And he spread out the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent on top of it as the Lord had commanded Moses. He took the testimony and put it into the ark, inserted the poles through the rings of the ark, and put the mercy seat on top of the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle, hung up the veil of the covering, and partitioned off the ark of the testimony, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting, because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle." Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day, and fire was over it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. This is the word of the Lord. To us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. The epistle is from St. Paul's letter to St. Titus, the third chapter. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, And the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. This is the gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. There is always a temptation to let theology become an abstraction. This temptation is most often indulged in the academic spheres, where men far too smart to become as little children mutate the Word and His doctrines into laboratory specimens to be dissected and examined. But specimens are not alive. They are cold and dead, giving their lives only for the pursuit of knowledge that dies with the men who discover it. Yet this temptation does not live only in academia. It lives among the laity as well, when the narrative of Scripture becomes story or moral, when it becomes what would Jesus do instead of what has Jesus done, and when the word becomes a thing that is read, but nothing more. Theology is not, nor can it be, an abstraction If theology is abstract, impersonal, philosophical, or intellectual, the content of such theology must be the same. But the content is not. For the content is Christ, a person living and active, physically interacting in the past, in the present, and in the future of his people. He is not abstract. He is reality, and he is life. This is the day, perhaps the king, of any other day in the church year that confesses the reality of theology and her content against the temptations toward abstraction. St. John's Gospel is important in this endeavor. He does not write in words that conjure up the nostalgia of St. Luke. He does not write in the well-thought, historical, and catechetical method of St. Matthew. Indeed, St. John appears to be writing in the high-minded manner of the abstract Christian. However, nothing could be further from the truth. St. John's Gospel begins with the Incarnation, just as do the Gospels of St. Matthew and St. Luke. However, St. John's intent is to proclaim how very real and living theology is and to combat any temptation toward the abstract. He proclaims the mystery of the Incarnation in such a way that its reality cannot be denied. The author to the Hebrews with St. John looks at the work of God as proclaimed through patriarchs and prophets, the eternal enduring of the word, and writes, the word of God is living and powerful. There is no creature hidden from his sight. Two things matter about such a statement. The first is the active nature of the word of God. It is not a story to be told or a moral to be upheld or observed. It is a life giving reality in all times and in all places, giving forth its very life essence, the fullness of its being as it works. The second is the character of the Word, not as a thing, but as a person. There is no creature hidden from his sight. The Word is not abstract, he is living. He is working, he is serving, and he is ruling. This is not a new understanding of the word. In fact, it is the oldest possible confession. Scripture begins with the working of the word and exists to deliver the person of the word. He is not absent. He is present. He dwelled with Israel within the tabernacle. He was no abstraction to them. He worked for them. He was witnessed by them. His holy fire performed wonders to bless and to chastise. His presence was seen upon the mercy seat as his testimony dwelled within the Ark of the Covenant. What St. John tells you in his gospel is that this same word, who created who has spoken and who speaks through all of Scripture, and who dwelled with Israel in the wilderness, is not content to dwell with man. He must be within man. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Yes, the living Word, so easily considered an abstraction, destroyed that temptation by taking on flesh. Yet, St. John's words are more potent than they are credited. Eskenos en Hemin Habitavit in nobis. He tabernacled in us. He does not live in the tabernacle of Israel anymore. The reality of his testimony is transferred to a new ark, not a precious box but a virgin made blessed among women. The Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands. He tabernacles. In this precious womb, the person of the word is erected with tent poles of bone, fastened with ropes of sinew, and covered over with the flesh of man. On this day the word of God is no more abstract to you than your own skin and bones because he has become flesh and blood. Eternity has come to the perishable. The infinite is now contained within the finite. Life and light pierce through the darkness of death as the word made flesh first reveals his sacred face. However, the fact of the matter is that while this day is the king of the real and the crucifier of the abstract it also points to the reality that christ's tabernacling among you and within you is not limited to this day only but merely confessed in its fullness christ's tabernacling is always by his spirit This word is indwelling, creating and sustaining your faith and leading you perpetually to the places where his reality is encountered physically, apart from any abstraction. Every Lord's Day you return to the manger of Bethlehem as you also return to the foot of the cross to receive what both instruments offer, the flesh and blood of the word as real present, temporal, and yet eternal holy food. How could man's mind ever grasp this union beyond all words? And so mortal creatures cherish the dispensations the word has made for us with God. If I can persuade you on this, then all is well. But if you blacken this charter with Teeming thousands of objections, then come here to me that I may cut these verses on the tablet of your heart with a pen that needs no ink. There is nothing abstract about this day or about this faith. The word is come into the flesh of man, into the hearts of his people, into death and hell for his beloved. The word is physical real, tangible, and present eternally for you. He is in the manger of Bethlehem for you, even as he enters the three-day rest of the tomb for you. He is concrete. He is true. He is here. He is now. And his touch awaits. Theology is real because your God is real. Theology is always for you, because your God is for you. Theology is never abstract, but personal and practical, because that is who your God is, and that is what your God has done for you in Bethlehem this day. Amen.